0: Hey everybody, welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com, movie love for movie lovers. My name is Patrick Bromley and I'm super excited for this week's show because we're talking about Godzilla versus Kong completing the MonsterVerse trilogy, which means I am joined by the man who's been here for all these MonsterVerse movies, the biggest monkey I know, J.B.,
1: and god godzilla is joining me godzilla the og the original godzilla <laughs> and he's going to roar if he disagrees with anything you say
0: wow he may be roaring a lot i don't know we'll see um godzilla versus kong in theaters and on hbo max right now if you're a subscriber to hbo max came on march 31st is already the highest grossing movie of the year mostly thanks to worldwide box office i don't know if you saw that jay bones I did, and I thought two things. Number one, this is
1: very good. This is a very, very good thing that maybe Hollywood's going to learn that there are two different audiences. There's people who like to go out, and there's people who like to stay home. And maybe it's two different groups of people, so you can make money off of both of them. Mm-hmm. But, but the other thing I was thinking when I saw how much money it made in theaters, which I think is terrific, um because I would like theaters to come back, is back when the lovable soul that we all referred to as Toy John used to sponsor those uh, triple features and quadruple features at the Portage Theater that Adam and I used to go to, he loved showing the original King Kong versus Godzilla. He showed it a lot, like, like every third month, every other month. Who would have thought back then, if you would have taken anyone aside and said, you, did you know that in 2021 the highest-grossing movie mm-hmm. will be a remake
0: of King Kong versus
1: Godzilla? No one would have believed you.
0: No, I would agree with that. um And but yet here we are. Here we are. Giant monster movies are back, which is very exciting. He's
1: he's 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 patting his chest. He's very proud. <laughs> Ow! Oh! Keep that keep. The atomic breath is
0: a problem, sure. but I, he's got to keep...
1: Keep it over there! <laughs> keep over there!
0: Okay. Uh, J-Bones, have you seen anything good lately?
1: Yes. Uh, inspired by your trip to the music box, which I was so jealous of. Um, the day that uh, Monkey Punch Lizard was released on HBO Max, um, TCM had an entire day full of Um, original Godzilla and King Kong films. It was delightful. And in the evening, they showed Mothra versus Godzilla, which you took your kids to see. I did, yeah. And as I'm watching it, I'm very surprised that TCM is showing the subtitled version. And I texted you, and you said that indeed was the version they were showing at the music box.
0: That is correct.
1: So I have two questions for you. How did the kids take to subtitles, and what did they think of the movie?
0: So they were surprisingly unfazed by the subtitles, which really surprised me because I thought once they figured it, I didn't warn them ahead of time. I just let them, they, you know, they've seen me watching Godzilla movies around the house. And so they have a sense of what they are, but I never really sat down to watch one all the way through, um, so I think they knew that they were often in Japanese and weren't totally surprised when this one started and was in fact in Japanese. Charlie was all for it. Charlie loved the movie must've mentioned it 10 times that night, how much he liked the movie. Rosie, uh, as is characteristically her way did fall asleep at one point, which I don't take as a review of the movie because she has fallen asleep in almost every movie we've taken her to go see since she was like two years old. Um, With the exception of a couple Disney movies that she was way into, for the most part, she will just fall asleep. Um, But she said she liked it as well, and she was unfazed by the subtitles too. And a few days later, I was talking to them about it,
1: and she said she really liked it, but she had a question for me. She asked me, did I think Mothra was a girl? Interesting. And I said, yes, yes for a number of reasons, and she had a whole bunch of reasons why she thought Mothra was a girl. She also thought Mothra was half moth, half hornet <laughs> because because of the unusual face and because the thing in the back she took to be a stinger. Okay. But um, I was so proud of you for taking your children to see that, um, and I believe you also went to the Art Institute, so you're doing your job. Patrick Bromley, as yeah, a father.
0: We, we, we were trying. We had a, a day of art, both high and low. Introducing them to the finer things in life. So That's right.
1: I also saw Mothra vs. Godzilla, which was interesting because I saw it after Monkey Punch Lizard, and it reminded me that the original Godzilla films had a whole bunch of subplots that no one gives a shit about either.
0: Yeah, I wanted to go back and listen to our our two original Godzilla podcasts, the original Godzilla and Godzilla King of the Monsters, because I'm wondering how much we complained about the human business. I can't remember. I know on Twitter there's been a lot of discussion about whether it's too much business with the humans, the human drama is no good, and is that typical for Godzilla, or should we even care about that? Because I've watched a lot of Godzilla movies in the last month, and they're all goofy yeah science fiction you know crazy human subplots uh and nobody ever complains about them in the original like showa godzilla movies or even the millennium godzilla movies which they get even crazier in the millennium ones but for some reason these three american movies um the human drama is a big concern to a lot of audience members
1: it almost made me want to go back Because at the time that they came out, I liked Godzilla King of the Monsters a lot more than Godzilla from 2014. I think I did, too. And if anything, Monkey Punch Lizard really made uh, Kong of Skull Island um, rise in my estimation. That The the new film, the film we're talking about today, really made me like Kong of Skull Island better um, or more. But anyway, uh, back to what I've been watching lately. Uh, Warner Archive finally put the Bad News Bears out on uh, Mm Blu-ray. It's about time. It now looks stunning in that 70s cinematography way. Very realistic. And um, it was good to see uh, Walter Matthau playing someone um, sympathetic because as I wrote in my column a few weeks ago, the... New Mike Nichols' biography does not paint Walter Matthau (laughs) in the nicest light. So I was trying to reconcile the two Walter Matthaus. Also, lately, I've been watching a lot more things on 4K. uh, Beetlejuice and Die Hard, during F This Movie Fest, I was just amazed at how great they look. And recently, I got Soul, uh, the Pixar film Soul, the Pixar film Inside Out, And the original Ten Commandments, actually, the the Charlton Heston Ten Commandments on 4K. And all of those look stunning. And clearly, my eyes are not a reference standard. But occasionally, you'll come across a disc. I wouldn't say it's an indifferent transfer. Maybe the original Blu-ray transfer was so good, there's not as much of a difference. But the 4K of Do the Right Thing, I can't see Any difference? Now, this is my lying eyes, and it's a monitor that's pretty old. If I go to the other television in the house, um, that's eight years younger, and I think the 4K looks a little bit better, but um, the 4Ks of Soul Inside Out and the Ten Commandments look amazing. And finally, the criterion defending your life criterion is doing us all a favor and releasing all those terrific albert brooks films um it's really really nice and it'll be one of these discs that you hold up if you buy you should buy it as all of the supplements were done during COVID. yeah yeah so the interviews are in little boxes and everyone's socially distanced um there's a a little uh feature a little featurette featuring a woman who's a film critic and a theologian that's really, really interesting. It's about 20 minutes long, and um, everything she says is food for thought, and there's a lengthy Albert Brooks interview, too. Plus, the film is really, really great.
0: I have never seen Defending Your Life.
1: I have the disc somewhere within reach. Um, I will let you borrow it. It's, It's so, so good. It just came out. And that's what I've been watching lately.
0: Okay. Question about Walter Matthau. Was he just difficult to work with or was he just an all-around prick?
1: Well, it seems like it's the latter that he knew that he was the star of The Odd Couple on Broadway. And when Mike Nichols was directing the original production, Art Carney was the original Felix on Broadway. And Art Carney was having a hard time because he was going through a messy divorce and he was an alcoholic. And Mark Harris, the author of the book, suggests that Mathau was playing games to sort of throw Carney off his game and get him drinking again because Mathau somehow thought if Carney wasn't as good, then he would be better or something. But uh, this is one of the incidents that led to Mike Nichols having this famous Never work with assholes rule uh, that he carried with him for the rest of his career. He just refused to work with anyone he considered an asshole. And in fact, after the Broadway production of Odd Couple, he and Mathau never worked again together. Huh. Um, it just seemed a shame because you know how many movies uh, around F this movie that we all like a lot that have Mathau in them. Yeah. I think. Taking of Pelham 123, and Charlie Varek and Bad News Bears, and um, even the original film of The Odd Couple. And um, he was always sort of one of my favorite character actors, and uh, that part of the book was sort of sad and
0: uncomfortable to read. Huh. Bummer. Um, What have I seen lately? A lot of what I've been watching is either A, for a future podcast that I have coming up with Adam Risky, or B, part of Panic Fest, which I'm not allowed to talk about yet. So I'll try to think of some movies that I saw that fall under neither category. Um, I uh, my birthday was last week, and I spent my birthday, as I have spent at least one past birthday, I don't remember which one, but uh, I rewatched Grindhouse. for the first time in a couple of years. And I could not love that movie more. It is so endlessly entertaining. And, um, uh, you know, obviously I prefer Death Proof to Planet Terror, but that doesn't mean that I don't love Planet Terror and enjoy Planet Terror. But it was funny to watch the trailer for Werewolf Women of the SS, which is sort of famously the least loved of all the fake trailers, because the other ones are just so good, and I was like wait a second, this is a werewolf movie, which I love starring Sybil Danning and Sherry Moon and Nicolas Cage all people that I love, and directed by Rob Zombie, how is this movie not in existence? And I got very upset uh, and very excited at the prospect of someday Rob Zombie making Werewolf Women of the SS, though I doubt it will ever happen we uh,
1: hope springs eternal in the human breast. I think I remember on the day of your birth, you had you had gone on the Twitter machine and you said, what should I watch today? Grindhouse? Any other movie? I, believe, Wasn't that I, I, I think I phrased
0: it as something worse. Okay, yeah. And a lot of so people I, voted for something worse, which just proves that people are assholes. That uh,
1: people are contrary. The day before the day before the day before the 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 Twitter thing we did for your birthday was a lot of fun
0: oh yes, thank you guys for uh for participating in that. What was the standout for you?
1: Well, I have to think I know the the big thing I noticed was
0: as
1: the day went on, I was tweeting less and less because uh a Twitter fatigue set in, so yeah. I was raring to go at the beginning, and I was just <laughs> tweeting and tweeting and tweeting. And then I think by the time we got to Mandy, a I had only seen it once before, so I was once again very engaged in watching it. But I think, I think for Mandy, I think I tweeted twice.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't think I tweeted much more than that. Honestly, I was just watching the movies. And
1: what was the first movie again?
0: The first movie was Looney Tunes Back in Action.
1: Yeah, which. I remember seeing Twice when it came out because I used to leave work and go to Marcus Addison. And I saw it twice in a theater when it came out. And I think you or someone else tweeted that day, who was in charge of marketing this? Because it is inconceivable to me that that didn't make more money. It's so much fun.
0: Yeah, but how do you... How do you convince people that it's going to be fun, you know? And were the Looney Tunes that marketable in 2003? I don't know. I don't know that anybody went to see Space Jam for the Looney Tunes. I think they went to see it for Michael Jordan.
1: That could be. And obviously we could get into that debate forever. But it just, just on the basis of how funny it is, I understand that not everyone's a film geek and not everyone is going to get all the references, it's hard to get all the references in one screening anyway, but it's just so much fun, and even back then, the perfect movie to take your kids to, I yeah. mean, come on.
0: Yeah, my kids were, uh, we watched it a couple of years ago in the basement on my birthday, and I think that was the first time my kids had seen it, and quickly became big fans of it. My son in particular watched it over and over, he's, he's a big fan of it. I have but one quibble with Looney Tunes back in action. At one
1: point, Yosemite Sam needs to shout, my biscuits are a-burnin'. They remembered to do that in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. They failed to include that
0: (laughs) in Looney Tunes back in action.
1: But we can forgive Joe Dante one deep-cut Looney Tunes reference.
0: The Yosemite Sam sequence is my least favorite in the movie because it also involves Heather Locklear as, like, a showgirl i guess yeah it it
1: comes across oddly it's it's like the only way they could get her to sign was to promise her a song
0: right that she's lip syncing to that's a bad song but
1: yeah it it smacks of that um although yosemite sam owning a casino i thought was a funny idea sure and i had completely forgot i i tweeted about this not that we were great friends or anything but Back in the uh, 1920s, when I was going to college, um, another gentleman on campus was Larry Doyle, who wrote the screenplay to Looney Tunes Back in Action, and also a novel that later became a film. Something Something, Beth Cooper? I love you, Beth Cooper. Yes, because he was at Printer's Row Book Fair, and I excitedly went to see him, because when we were on campus, he did a comic strip in the school newspaper that was just the greatest thing ever done. And I could never figure out why that didn't become a movie because it was just the greatest comic strip you've ever seen. It was called escape from the zoo and it was about a college fraternity that was completely inhabited by anthropomorphic animals. All right. Very funny. So I went to see him at printer's row and I wanted to talk about escape from the zoo And he did not want to talk about (laughs) it. He wanted to talk about I Love You, Beth Cooper, which at that point had
0: just been sold to Hollywood. I haven't read the book. I've only seen the movie and the movie is not great.
1: Yeah. And uh, for a while, they handed him and his partner, Neil Sternicke, uh, the Pogo franchise after the original artist passed away. And I heard that didn't go well, but that was the first thing he did out of college. He wrote Pogo
0: with the guy who also drew Escape from the Zoo. Didn't they make like a claymation Pogo movie? I have this vague recollection of seeing it as a kid, and now it's impossible think, to see.
1: Yeah, I think I think they did. Um, I kept meaning to look him up because I was wondering what he was doing now, um, or trying to find... When he and Sternicky graduated, they self-published a big paperback book of all the Escape from the Zoo comic strips, and I wondered if one could acquire a copy on eBay. I'm sure, yeah. Because, you know, that was like 40 years ago, <laughs> and um, I wonder if it holds up, or if I'm just looking at that with... Uh, Rose-colored glasses, but it was interesting to see his name in the end credits that he wrote it, and it is very much
0: his his
1: sense of humor.
0: All right. Um, one of the uh, gifts that my lovely wife Erica got me for my birthday was uh, he came from The Swamp, the William Graffet collection from Arrow Video. Yes. And I watched Whiskey Mountain, which was William Graffet's last movie from 1977 starring Christopher George human cigarette uh thank you matt sallenberger for coining the phrase human <laughs> cigarette christopher george um it's kind of a deliverance ripoff uh and it's about it's it's two couples it reminded me a little bit of like uh racing with the devil in terms of it being these two couples going up into the mountains uh, race with the devil i should say um they go up into the mountains, I guess, looking for treasure. I'm I, I'm a little sketchy on some of the details. They're and in the
1: mountains looking for something, getting
0: chased by hillbillies, uh, as a deliverance ripoff is wont to do. And it's a lot of fun. The the I was very surprised because there must be one existing print, and it must have played every drive-in in America because it oh, is yeah. in bad shape. Um, even the Arrow Blu-ray. You know, Even though you're watching this 1080p HD supposed restoration of the movie, it looked as bad, if not worse, than either of the movies from Grindhouse. Um, So if you're into that aesthetic, you won't mind the Whiskey Mountain transfer. But I thought the movie was a lot of fun. I thought it was cool. And it's a movie I probably would never have heard of if not for this collection.
1: Those prints had such a life. I remember a couple months ago when I was watching the Kino restoration of Mom and Dad, which I believe played theatrically for over 20 years. Holy cow. Um, you just have to wonder where they got their source materials. Or was it, you know, well, we have six different prints that we found in various people's trunks, and we managed to cobble something together. Does that box set come with a documentary about him?
0: It does. The, bo- the documentary is not great. Um, it's called It Came From the Swamp the William Griffey story, I think. And I was hoping for something on the level of the Al Adamson documentary. Right. And it is not as good as the Al Adamson documentary. It's essentially like they kind of go movie by movie. And then he made film this. By film. And yeah. then we get some interviews with Griffey talking about it. And I mean, it's interesting. It's over two hours, which is a little long for this kind of a documentary. Um, and the, the documentary is
1: Daniel Griffith and Ballyhoo Productions, right? Correct. Because the last time I was at Monster Bash which might have been the Monster Bash where we did the, um, the podcast-a-thon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I met Daniel Griffith, and I was trying to buy one of the documentaries he did for MST3K without buying the MST3K box set, and Griffith had just come out with the single-disc Griffay documentary, and he was he was giving me the full court press to buy
0: that. You can borrow it if you want to watch it. It's on the same disc as Whiskey Mountain, so you could see both.
1: Ooh. Wim Graffet double feature time. Yeah. And you say it's a battered print?
0: The The Whiskey Mountain one is, yeah.
1: Right, but in a weird way, because I still remember going to the drive-in when I was in high school, because that's how old I am, all of these restorations have a spoiled. There's something very delightful about a print that's shitty.
0: Yeah, I don't mind it, but it, it is alarming the because we're behind
1: grindhouse s-
0: Right. We're so used to I mean, I watch vinegar syndrome titles and I can't believe how good the shittiest movies look. Oh yeah, on Blu-ray. And not not That's to a- say that all vinegar syndrome a- movies are shitty because there's a lot of really great ones, but the fact that they're on Blu-ray at all looking as good as they do, you know, Vice Academy 3 looks pristine like it was shot yesterday and I can't believe it.
1: A couple of months ago, I was watching, I might get the title wrong, but not The Violent Years. Um, the, the Ed Wood film, where the the Vinegar Syndrome disc has both versions, the one that's
0: R and the one that's not R. I know the one you're talking about, and I can't think <laughs> of it.
1: Violent females four violent women. I don't know. If you're listening to this and I'm driving you crazy, right the... Write the film <laughs> title in the comment section But I'm watching it And both versions look so great I'm like did you get this out of Ed Wood's skull Is this Ed Wood's corpse's memory Of what this film looked like Because where on earth I don't know We we went to, to fantasy land And we found an unopened box With the original camera negative Of the uh, Violent woman action X rated epic whose title J.B., can't remember.
0: It is The Violent Years.
1: Okay, I was thinking... This you is know the one about I'm... the girl gang? Right, but Ed Wood made two films like that. One of them is in black and white, and it's famous because in the trailer, like, the girls walk up to a blackboard and it says, Hygiene, and they, like, turn up their nose at that.
0: Or... <laughs> they hate hygiene?
1: Well, it's like, The Law, and they, oh, they're... <laughs> There, there's there's clips from it, and it came from Hollywood. But what I'm talking about was made in the early 70s, and it's in color. Okay. And there's sort of a violent drive-in version that's R, and then there's a version with extra scenes that makes it X-rated.
0: Is this The Fugitive? The Fugitive Girls. Fugitive Girls, yeah, okay, I know the one you're talking Which
1: about. Which is one of the titles, because both versions have different titles, Because then you could show it at the same drive-in twice. Right, exactly. And and trick people.
0: (laughs) There's some talk about that in the Grafay documentary. Like, we put this out, it didn't do great, so we shot a few extra scenes and retitled it and did much better with it.
1: Every time I catch up with Kroger Bab and read more about Kroger Bab, my spirit animal, it is amazing what those guys did. And very uh, apropos that they were nicknamed the 40 Thieves.
0: Um, the last movie I'll talk about, I was going to talk about a movie called Violation, which just showed up on Shudder, but it's very unpleasant, and so I won't talk about it. So I'll talk about uh, a movie, I, a Hammer movie I finally caught up with thanks to Sven Guli, and that is The Beast Must Die. There you go. Which ran last weekend maybe on Sven Guli, and uh, I finally got a chance tenth to see
1: it. On his 10th anniversary broadcast.
0: Yeah. Uh, no, that was this weekend, right? That was... Oh, that's right. That was The Norman Roger Corman one, then. yeah. Um, yeah, The Beast Must Die I had never seen and it's not great. <laughs> it's kind of an Agatha Christie mystery complete with a werewolf break where you're supposed to ruminate on who the werewolf is and of course watching it on Svengoolie they were playing the Jeopardy theme the whole time so you can't really ruminate <laughs> because you're too distracted.
1: How, how did the film look on Svengoolie?
0: It looked okay.
1: Because there's a boutique label that either just Released it on Blu-ray, or is just about to?
0: Well, it Severin did, didn't they? Wasn't it part of that box set, or no?
1: I'm I'm confused, but I know I saw. It up. Yeah, that it just came out, or it's just gonna come out? Because I wondered if Svengoolie was like playing the the latest restoration or something. It didn't look
0: like the latest restoration. There is a standard edition from Severin. I think I own a copy as part of that box set that they put out a couple years ago that had some anthologies in it, maybe? Do you know the one I'm talking about? Vaguely. the, The Amicus box set, maybe?
1: Right. I know The Beast Must Die is a very distinctive poster that's usually the cover of the disc.
0: And it's a, it's a good-looking werewolf in the poster, and that werewolf yeah. does not appear in the movie. That's,
1: <laughs> the, that's what I'm thinking
0: of. The werewolf in the movie is essentially a German shepherd. Yes. Um, but it was fun to watch with Svengulli's, you know jokes and hosting segments and stuff. It's not one that I can see myself returning to very often.
1: Lately, and I'm not suggesting that any of our listeners do this, I uh, tape... Because that's how old I am. I record Sven Gulli so that later I can skip the commercials and sometimes even the movie. Because <laughs> I've seen the movie. Right. I'm most interested in the host segments, uh, specifically the one where he talks about the cast. Right. Um, I almost wish he would do more of that and perhaps less singing. But I know that's blasphemy. <laughs> I know people like the song. People love the song. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm more with you. But that's just us. And obviously, if you want that, we have Joe Bob Briggs, who right. does nothing but what we're right. talking
0: about. And it's coming uh, back in just a few weeks. In two weeks. Man, that's become our Friday night. Yeah. Do you guys tweet along with it, or do you just watch the movies?
1: We have never done that.
0: Yeah. I, I'm not into the tweeting part, which is fine. I mean, that's it's at this movie fest, basically. So I get it, uh, but I don't do that part of it. Not to
1: impugn anyone. Let me see if I can talk about this without pointing fingers. Oh boy. There is a group who is who are not affiliated with Turner Classic Movies. Although, the way it's presented, I thought it was Turner Classic Movies. But it's not. It's some people who really love movies, and they should not be faulted for this. And they sometimes do watch parties on Twitter of TCM things. Right. And so the last time they showed Plan 9 from Outer Space, I thought, I've got an hour and a half. I love this movie. I'm going to tweet along. And as it turns out, they're much more interested in tweeting things that anyone who loves Plan 9 from Outer Space already know. And they are not interested in liking or retweeting what anyone else has to say. (laughs) So obviously, if you were using the correct hashtag... Everyone who was playing along could read everyone's tweets. That was the fun of it. It was just like at this movie fest. But I found myself getting likes and retweets from every single person except the hosts. Interesting. Because say what you want, I know a few things about that movie. Yeah, right. And I have something to say. So I think it's a great idea. I think if that's what they want to do, that's what they should do. But I think it would make it a lot more fun for everybody if half the time they were tweeting and the other half of the time they were liking and retweeting it would be more democratic
0: yeah um let's move into our discussion of Godzilla versus Kong the movie's still fairly new so we can try to talk spoiler free for a couple minutes and just give our initial impressions uh, i think it's going to be very possible to get all the way
1: through this podcast and not spoil anything i really do really yeah, given the nature of the film, given that ev- anyone listening to this knows about Godzilla and King Kong, I I don't think that's going to be a problem.
0: There were two major things that I knew nothing about. Now, to be fair, I had only seen one trailer one time. I skipped all and the I trailers. Think I, know
1: one of the two, I think I know one of the two things you're talking about. And I'm not even sure if that's a spoiler, but I, I, I would be fine not mentioning it.
0: Uh, okay. I mean, I might have to mention it just because it was one of the things I really liked about the movie.
1: Okay, then you mention it and then it's your fault. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fair enough. I'm tired of people being mad at me. Stop being mad at me!
0: (laughs) Godzilla says he's not mad, just misunderstood. Weirdly, I would say that I liked this movie, but when it came time to record this podcast, I found myself feeling like I was in a bad mood. And I couldn't decide if I was in a bad mood about this movie or if I was just in a bad mood about talking about this movie. Because the little bit I've seen on Twitter since it came out last week makes me feel like, boy, you just can't win.
1: Well, what I've noticed on the Twitter machine is the initial reaction was 100% positive. And people were just so happy to have this movie, you know, given what a year it's been, that it was just sort of pure escapism and exactly what they wanted or right up their alley. And then as the days went on, other people began to weigh in and said things that were just a little bit less than 100% positive. To be fair, I'm on the fence. I enjoyed watching it. It's certainly not the best movie I've seen in a long time. There was a lot of stuff I would quibble with. I liked it when they would fight.
0: <laughs> I we are probably in similar camps because I enjoyed myself while watching it. My kids watched it. My daughter Rosie was so excited to watch it ever since they showed the tra- so the only time I ever saw the trailer was they showed one right before Mothra vs. Godzilla at the music box because good, they were going to be showing Godzilla vs. Kong at the music Excellent box. Marketing. So I was a captive audience. I had to see the trailer because I had avoided it online. Um, and the trailer didn't give too much away, but as soon as my daughter saw it, it was all she could talk about. She, you know, Wednesday, Wednesday is the day. It's coming on Wednesday. We're going to watch Godzilla vs. Kong on Wednesday. And when we were talking about Mothra's gender, she kept telling me that too. Yeah, she was... How excited she was to see it. She was very excited. So they watched it with us and she did not fall asleep Uh, or actually she might have, (laughs) I can't remember, but the point is they really liked it. They had a really good time with it. So I was enjoying it vicariously through them. I found myself liking it and I had been watching a bunch of of Godzilla movies and kind of gave myself over to the whole thing and even when it got really stupid, I was like, well, that's charming. I, I appreciate how goofy and sci-fi this movie gets.
1: Well, I um, was just going to say, your son liking it is the ultimate stamp of approval because all of these movies are for 12-year-olds. Right. We can't forget that this isn't The Seventh Seal. Um, I enjoyed it because I watched it with my wife, and she rose to the challenge because Jan was hilarious as we <laughs> were watching Um, monkey punch lizard. Um, I thought it was interesting that when it started, Jan and I were sort of trying to figure out who would win in a fair fight. Okay. And we thought, well, you know, Godzilla's got that atomic breath, and that's going to be awful hard to beat. But then I realized, well, Kong, I believe, has a bigger brain and longer arms, and better opposable thumbs. Mm-hmm. I think Godzilla has opposable thumbs, but Godzilla sort of has those T-Rex arms.
0: They're right. not as useful. right?
1: Um, and then, and am I allowed to talk about something else Kong has in this movie, or is that a spoiler?
0: Uh, I mean, it was in the trailer, but you've heard our initial thoughts. We're going to spoil stuff now.
1: Um, And I was on the fence about this, and I thought, well, what an odd choice. And then Patton Oswalt got on the Twitter machine and he tweeted that nowhere in the canon does it say that Kong does not have a magic axe. (laughs) And I honestly thought that the screenwriters gave him that magic axe um, because Kong needs help because Godzilla has the atomic breath. And then I thought back to the original film, uh, King Kong vs. Godzilla... And I remember uh, one of my favorite scenes where Kong uproots a tree and shoves it down Godzilla's throat.
0: Yeah, that's a a memorable moment in that movie. I haven't seen that movie in a number of years, so I don't remember.
1: And on the Twitter machine, it's sort of become a gift. I've seen it many times in the last week. Trust me. But Kong shoving a big old tree down Godzilla's throat reminded me... Um, of another quibble I have with this film and this takes us back to uh, what's the Superman film with Michael Shannon? Man of Steel. Man of Steel. Did I miss something or is the city they fight in at the end again I, I preface this this is a quibble has the city they're fighting in at the end been evacuated?
0: If you missed it I did too.
1: Because in the original King Kong vs. Godzilla, which, as you have probably figured out, I have a lot of affection for, they're like out in the woods. They're out far, far away. They're
0: like on an island somewhere,
1: aren't they? Exactly. It's, it's, It's just desolate. And as these two titans fought in the new film, I just kept marveling at how much collateral damage there must have been... Um, with the hundreds of thousands of humans they were accidentally killing
0: by throwing each other in the buildings. So that, I thought, was problematic. Well, I know it's a trope of Godzilla movies that the cities are leveled and destroyed, but it comes from the early Godzilla movies where that was the point, where the whole thing is a tragedy. Because he was a metaphor for the atomic bomb. Right, or something like, have you ever seen Shin Godzilla? Yes. Shin Godzilla is so good. Um, and again, there's a human cost to the destruction and that's the point of the destruction. Once you make the point of the movie, Hey, isn't this fun? These two guys are fighting. Once you turn it into professional wrestling, you sort of no longer have license to have that human cost. And so for them to destroy as many buildings as they did inside of this goofy, silly popcorn entertainment, uh, was troubling for me.
1: And and my quibble is simply based on the fact that given the scale of the fight that we are watching, we never see people falling out of buildings or anything like that. So it would have been possible to
0: just include something where you suggest the city's been evacuated. And maybe they did. And maybe, honestly, both of us missed it. It's, I don't know. That's possible.
1: That would, that would make me feel better. My other quibble and, and I, I, I did find the film fun, I don't want to be a killjoy, is I really wondered if you needed as many subplots as the film has. <laughs> I count four, and the one that would be the easiest to lose, did you get the feeling watching this film that Kyle Chandler filmed every single scene of his but one when they made Godzilla King of the Monsters? Uh, maybe. He he interacts with no one. It almost seemed like, well, why don't you just put him in a submarine? (laughs) He's in a submarine somewhere. At the end, he's reunited. Oop. At the end, he may or may not be uh, reunited with his daughter. Speaking of his daughter, let me tell you how disconnected I am from popular culture. And get ready to laugh at me, because I am a fool. When the film was over... I asked my wife which one, which character was played by Whitney Houston and Bobby Brown's daughter. Oh, boy. Because I thought Millie Bobby Brown was Whitney Houston and Bobby Brown's daughter. Right. And she explained to me that, no, that's the young lady from Stranger Things, which unfortunately I'm not familiar with. And she set me straight. So... I think you could lose the subplot with Kyle Chandler, even though there was something on the Twitter machine today where I believe his name is Lance Reddick. Yes. Um, That Lance Reddick was saying that there was originally a whole lot more of him, uh, but that a whole bunch of his stuff got cut. So let's just imagine that Kyle Chandler um, is in this movie a lot less, but that still leaves you with, Three, three, count them three human interest subplots. If you're into, um, you know, um, cheering for the human race to survive or something. What
0: well, you have: Millie Bobby Brown and Brian Tyree Henry, and the kid from Hunt for the Wilder People. The 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 podcast subplot where they're podcast sneaking into subplot. the research facility. You, you have, have the, the uh,
1: Alexander Skarsgard, uh, Rebecca Hall, right. uh, Kaylee Hoddle. Um, subplot where they're going to harness Kong for nefarious means. And then I would argue the uh, Damien yeah. uh Sean Aguri and Eliza Gonzalez subplot about the uh, industrialist run amok. That whole thing with Damien Bashir and Alexander Skarsgård reminded me a lot of Jurassic Park. Sure. That the the, the John Hammond is going to send out for experts to, to come and help him. Um, I will say this and I will say this without spoiling things. I was ultimately very impressed by how quickly and suddenly several characters were dispatched. I don't even remember. I was like, <laughs> again, I don't want to give it away, but there's. No, you can give it away.
0: We're in spoilers. It's fine.
1: Okay. Damian Bashir's daughter. Yes. Uh, Maya Simmons, played by Eliza Gonzalez. Holy shit!
0: <laughs> she makes it maybe, most of the way through the movie.
1: Maybe it was because I thought that that was going to be the, the lifeline to the next movie or something. Um, also, when Bashir gets it, I was very surprised. Um, I don't know. Maybe I wasn't paying attention. Maybe I had temporarily forgot what these movies are like. That every so often you've got to kill someone off you know, stakes. But um I was really impressed by the by the fact that the film was willing to do that. It, it 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 kept you jumping. it kept you
0: thinking. Yeah, I mean it it applies kind of disaster movie logic. Yes. Um the introduction of Hollow Earth, while profoundly stupid, uh I thought yeah. was very amusing. And I liked, you know, when they get into spacesuits and they're getting in spaceships, basically, because, again, I'd been watching all these Godzilla movies and they all involve this kind of shit. So for this movie to do it, maybe a bridge too far for some people. For me, I was like, yeah, that's what these movies are like. it's, It's very, very much in
1: in the genre.
0: But when they get to Hollow Earth, I was sure that that was their workaround to having Godzilla and Kong fight in a major city and therefore avoiding all the collateral damage that we were already talking about. I thought, okay, here's this place where they can fight not only each other, but many other monsters. Because my son very wisely turned to me about halfway through and said, I think I know what's going to happen. I think there's going to be something else that they have to team up against. And this was before the introduction of You Know Who. Right.
1: And and your your son is very wise. That yes. was very good thinking. Um I believe at one point Jan and I turned to each other and said they're going to team up. Yeah. Because if only for marketing uh reasons because a lot of people love King Kong and just as many people love Godzilla. So how do you solve that? I don't know if this is true. At the time that the original King Kong vs. Godzilla came out, and
0: my source here is
1: Famous Monsters of Filmland Magazine, so it might not be true,
0: I've heard there's two endings. I have always heard that as well, but that is not true. That is a myth.
1: Okay, because in the version I'm used to seeing, King Kong wins the fight, but uh, Godzilla just swims
0: back in the sea. right. And the rumor was that if you saw the Japanese cut, that Godzilla yeah. wins the fight. But there are not two endings.
1: But see, every so often, Forrey Ackerman would actually say something true, like the special Japanese version of Horror of Dracula. So you had he kept us on our toes <laughs> with his
0: lies and his truths. Well, it's funny because Godzilla, King of the Monsters, which I, I did not revisit. I didn't revisit any of these new MonsterVerse movies, and I really wanted to... In particular, King of the Monsters and Kong Skull Island, because you and I did a podcast on Kong Skull Island, and neither of us were huge fans of it. Um, And you said you like it more now in retrospect because of this movie. I I haven't gone back and revisited it. I think it's on HBO Max, so I may still do that. But Godzilla King of the Monsters, Michael Doherty is clearly a huge Godzilla fan. Yes. Adam Wingard appears to be a much bigger King Kong fan. yes. Very very that's yeah that's that's pretty obvious um Godzilla is kind of a supporting player in this movie with his name as part of the title because this is really a King Kong movie, which is one of the things I liked about it because I really loved King Kong in this movie,
1: yeah, me too, and it's interesting, and i'm I'm thinking as a screenwriter, you have to because. Not to get into the whole evolution debate, <laughs> that that Kong has to be more sympathetic than Godzilla for any number of reasons, that it would be very, very difficult to have them sort of switch places. Right. Because we have an amount of love and sympathy for Kong, maybe because as a species we're closer to him, or maybe because he looks more like a big guy. Um, And, you know, humans don't have tails or atomic breath, although mine comes close in the morning Um, that uh, that in all of these films, uh, Kong is presented more sympathetic.
0: I don't remember him being particularly sympathetic in Skull Island.
1: Well, he's sympathetic in that he just wants to live his life and all these people are are showing up and giving him shit. Sure.
0: Which Just I understand. Leave them alone. That's how Just I leave
1: feel. Leave him alone. Yeah. <laughs> this, this this habitat. I mean, Jesus Christ.
0: Um it's uh, I like liked... going
1: to Scotland and messing with sheep. Just leave them alone.
0: <laughs> They're fine. They're sheep. Um I-, I liked the reveal at the opening of the movie where we find him on Skull Island and then he throws the giant spear and it turns out that he's inside a dome.
1: No, I like that a lot too, and Going back to my original point about how is Kong gonna beat Godzilla? Godzilla seems to have advantages. I thought it was interesting in sort of foreshadowing or check off spear that the first thing we see Kong doing is fashioning a weapon, right? And that maybe that'll be one of the ways that he uh, he fights Godzilla.
0: The story credit belongs to Zach Shields, who I'm not familiar with, Michael Doherty, who made King of the Monsters and who we're big fans of, um, and Terry Rossio, who was involved in the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, and you know what a fan of the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise I am. Oh, yeah. But neither of them wrote the screenplay. Uh, That's credited to Eric Pearson and Max Bornstein. And unfortunately, I... A lot of the dialogue kind of annoyed me because there's this kind of Michael bayification, um, where everyone is the comic relief, and uh, I didn't think it worked. I mean, I thought all the podcaster stuff was like not great, I thought Alexander Skarsgård's character for being so smart was kind of an idiot, um. There's this need to make everyone funny that I was not totally on board with. I don't know how you felt about it.
1: No, I I thought the dialogue was the worst thing about the film. And at one point, maybe halfway through, I turned to my lovely wife and said, maybe they should have paid for one more draft because it's so utilitarian. It's so unaccomplished. It's so generic that... um, it's it's not the way people talk. It's not the way people behave, especially when they're going through the you know the what's happening in the film. It's it it sort of exists for there to be a script that they can shoot or maybe get actors interested in. I, I don't know. It was just so generic, and here I mean the dialogue. Right. Because there were a couple plot things I liked. Um Hollow Earth Notwithstanding. <laughs> I thought and and again, this is a test I often use. Can you name one memorable line from the movie?
0: Uh, I cannot.
1: And Damien would- Bashir says,
0: oh shit, before he dies.
1: Yeah, but that's
0: <laughs> that's what I remember.
1: Um You know, for something that people love so much, and I'm glad So many people love it. And if this gets people back in movie theaters safely, more power to them. Um, For a film that seems so beloved as sort of this big feel-good throwback, we're going to watch this movie, um, sort of a popcorn movie, you'd think there'd be at least one line that's memorable.
0: Well, that's unfortunately a lot of the blockbuster formula now is this (sighs) – Kind of wrote dialogue where, and I, I joked about it as being the M- Michael Bayification of the dialogue. But it's like, it's in Roland Emmerich movies. It's in all these movies that are engineered to be these massive crowd pleasing blockbusters. And maybe it has something to do with translating overseas. Maybe it has something to do with 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 pleasing all four quadrants. Um But it doesn't have a personality. It's just everyone's a jokester. Um, or all the dialogue is meant to be kind of funny and none of it is memorable or particularly strong. Um, And, and that was, I mean, again, you know, the, the immediate pushback is, well, I don't go see these movies for the dialogue and that's fine. And that's fair. The Godzilla fought King Kong and that's what you were here for. yeah Um, But the movie could have been better with a dialogue polish.
1: Thank goodness Godzilla doesn't have to be translated.
0: That means the same thing in every language it sure does um let's talk about the big reveal in the movie besides Hollow Earth, so when they go to Hollow Earth, I was like, well, I didn't see this coming. this is interesting. I didn't expect them to go into like another world, basically, and for Full me, craziness yeah, it was you know again, it's stupid, but it was worth it for me just for the sequence of Kong like sitting on his throne. Because as someone who loves every iteration of King Kong, uh, Kong Skull Island notwithstanding, but I have to rewatch it, um, I was very happy to see Kong taking his his rightful place. Well, and
1: here's another example of why it's so much fun to watch movies with my wife. The minute, the minute they introduced Hollow Earth, Jan turned to me and said, I bet there's a big throne-like chair for kong to sit on (laughs) she actually said that and i was like no they they would never that's so that's so on the nose and there it was kong is king
0: there it was it was perfectly sized for him um so the other thing that indicates you know i know i said adam wingard is a is clearly a more of a kong fan than a godzilla fan But it's clear that he is a Godzilla fan, or certainly the screenwriters are Godzilla fans, because we get introduced to what my son Charlie was predicting would be the reason for the team up. And that is the introduction of Mecha Godzilla. He even predicted that? No, he didn't. He just knew there would be something.
1: There's going to be something. That they have to team up against. No, it was great to see Mecha Godzilla again, especially the way they presented him here as a being piloted by someone and that it had to have a psychic connection to one of Ghidra's heads or something. And then (laughs) the, the reason that Mechagodzilla runs amok, I thought was sort of interesting because now it's, you know, no one's driving the bus and, and then that made it more of a threat when the two of them fought it.
0: Yeah. I appreciated them bringing Mechagodzilla out of retirement Um, and it's, it's fun because we've done, we've done the monster team up, you know, King of the Monsters was a monster team up, um, with another Kaiju, basically another organic Kaiju, I should say, uh, in King Ghidorah. And so it was fun that now this Kaiju is sort of this man-made creation, this thing that we've made to fight back against Godzilla and become the top of the food chain once again. Again, it's, you know, a military industrial complex run amok. It's nothing new uh, in terms of what point, it's saying.
1: At this point, Guillermo del Toro stands up in the theater. <laughs>
0: no, I did this years ago uh, yeah. with
1: Pacific Rim.
0: Why isn't Pacific this Rim is a better like movie? You know, well, I have
1: theories, but my memory is that when I was actually watching it for the first time, I enjoyed it a lot, although Pacific Rim played a game that I'm thoroughly sick of. And now that it's been a couple of years since Pacific Rim, you think they wouldn't repeat it in uh, Monkey Punch Lizard. That, Except for the fight at the end. I'm thinking of the fight when Kong's chained to the boat. It's always raining or there's water yeah, yeah. or they're under. Water, and there's always some reason that you can't quite get a good look at it because it hides the CGI, and I'm tired of that. Turn on the lights, turn off the rain machine, turn off the fog machine, don't have them be in the water, and have them fight, which I guess is the the last scene in this movie. But that that whole thing, like in some of the early DC movies, Someone said there's always shit flying through the air. (laughs) To the credit of... uh, We're we're aware of
0: that trick, so stop doing it. We'd like to see the special effects. Thank you. To the credit of, I think, Kong Skull Island, my memory is that most of that movie takes place during the daytime.
1: Yes. Uh,
0: And a lot of this movie, I mean, is at night, but Adam Wingard lights it up with various bright neon colors because he really likes that aesthetic. And it makes it at least fun to look at. This is a movie that, while perfectly entertaining on HBO Max, uh, I would love to see on a big IMAX screen.
1: I'm not ready to go back to movie theaters quite yet, but I really, I so wanted to see this in IMAX because, as you said, uh, the Neon City that's presented at the end is really, really cool. It's It's a great art direction move.
0: Yeah, it's really it's really cool looking. It makes the movie, you know, fun and colorful rather than kind of dour, kind of dreary. Uh, which my memory is that the was it twenty sixteen the the first Godzilla. Twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen. Jesus, uh, <laughs> uh, that that was kind of a dour affair, is my memory.
1: And while we were watching it, Jan once again reminded me that when she and I were children which was at approximately the same time. Uh both of us would have nightmares where Godzilla was on the horizon and we knew something really bad and destructive was coming and we couldn't do anything about it. Yikes. Uh, it turns out both of us had that dream when we were kids.
0: That's wild.
1: Yeah. It's it was really disturbing when you were like 8. Not not one of the better dreams. No
0: it wouldn't be it would be a, a, a disturbing dream right now i feel like uh much less as an 8 year old so whenever the movies and invariably they do
1: show the establishing shot of kong uh, i'm sorry of godzilla coming up over the horizon
0: ooh major <laughs> yeah, childhood right.
1: trauma is triggered <laughs> childhood trauma is triggered okay that's the
0: that's the meme were you at all disappointed by the lack of godzilla in this movie that
1: i that i didn't think there was enough yeah no not at all because as you said uh there was plenty of kong the only way i would say i wish there was more godzilla is that i wish there were less of the subplots and i wish the fights were longer okay i really do
0: do you feel like it would have gotten like repetitive or just sort of like Pummeling after a while though, if the fights if it was just a big long wrestling match.
1: I see this as a balancing act and it's the director and the editor and probably even the studio. I mean, how long do you let it go on? Right. Because on the one hand, it is what people are here for, I think. No one is saying, Oh, I I heard (laughs) I heard the new you know what's coming. I heard the new King Kong and Godzilla movie is all about this podcaster, and he has these conspiracy theories? I can't wait to see that. Supposedly, people are there to see two enormous monsters fight, but at some point, you would be accused of only catering to hardcore fans who would have no problem with like a 35-minute long
0: brawl. Yeah, it's... But I don't
1: don't see that happening in an American movie.
0: No. And I think this movie does a pretty good job of striking a balance. I think there's enough fighting. I agree with you that, like, there's maybe too many subplots, and you watch... I, I mean, and that's true of every Godzilla movie you ever watch, is, like, you have to sit through, you know, let's say they're 89 minutes, you have to sit through roughly 70 minutes of set up to watch yeah, well, the, the last this, 20 minutes of a fight.
1: This film has the appetizer fight right, which is the on one the on the boat. Right. And then it has the entree fight which is the two of them in the neon city. But then you get the dessert fight. Right. Uh which is the two of them fighting Mechagodzilla. Right. And ripping him to pieces. I just I just would have liked and again I know this is a quibble. It was fun.
0: I wish all three fights were a little longer. That's all. Why is it that I'm inclined and ready at the drop of a hat to watch any of the like Showa era, era Godzilla movies? Um, and I can rewatch them over and over again. But Because I'm they less, define, the le- Showa films define goofy fun. Okay, I'm just, I'm less inclined to watch these modern ones. Or to rewatch them, I should say.
1: This did make me want to go back and see Kong of Skull Island to see if my to see if my little theory is correct. Because I was pretty hard on that one. Because I think we did the podcast within days of seeing it. Yeah, we did. And I I'm not sure we did a podcast on Kong of Skull Island, didn't we? Do a podcast on Godzilla King of the Monsters? We sure did. And did we do a podcast on the 2014 Godzilla? We sure did. Okay, so this concludes the quadrilogy. <laughs> right.
0: In theory, unless they keep making these movies, since this one's so successful, they may...
1: Or, unless for Scary Movie Month, we do a whole podcast on the original King Kong vs. Godzilla. Which we
0: could do, but we
1: have all those Hammer uh, Draculas to watch. Which I have cleverly started preparing for early this year. Oh, that's smart. Instead of cramming like <laughs> I did back in high school. Um I'm very much looking forward we're going to do the the Dracula films this year, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, very exciting. Including the uh Japanese horror of Dracula. Yes, with more which, blood.
1: Which if you you can't afford the region 2 thing, it's available on YouTube if you want to watch it. Yeah. The the yeah. little the 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 longer version which is
0: so great and what is the change just when he decomposes it's longer (laughs) there's more and it's
1: it for the time when you consider when the film was made it's really it's really over the top it's like oh really
0: wow and in that one correct me if i'm wrong godzilla wins
1: well it depends if you saw it in the Netherlands, <laughs> I don't know how they worked this out with the script, but if you saw it in the Never- Netherlands, the milk industry won.
0: Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, is, there's a whole that is a surprise. there's a whole
1: dairy there's a whole dairy subplant. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. Kong's a mammal.
0: <laughs> I I this made me want I, I had meant to rewatch Kong Skull Island. Before this movie, just because I wanted to watch all of them in the lead up, but I didn't watch any of them. Um, But then I did want to rewatch Kong Skull Island after watching this movie because I liked Kong so much in this one that I thought all of that goodwill would carry over to Skull Island. And maybe I would uh, maybe I would like it more this time.
1: No, I still have to, but I intend to. And
0: are the first three on HBO Max? Uh, I believe so. Yeah,
1: yeah, I do, too. And
0: a bunch of of old Godzilla movies, too.
1: I will say this, and I'm not just trying to career favor. Talking to you about uh, Godzilla versus King Kong was more fun than watching it. Oh, really? (laughs) Although I thought we would fight. What? Oh, dear. I'm going to swish my tail and throw you
0: into your DVD show. (laughs) Um, Was that just for the setup for a joke or did you actually think we would fight about the movie? That was just a joke. Okay. Although I was curious
1: because we were together Sunday and we cleverly didn't talk about it. Yeah. So I, I was just curious what you thought because for days My opinion was strangely unformed. I feel like my opinion is still unformed. (laughs) I couldn't (laughs) quite wrap my head around it. Um, I do not want to be officially against fun. And there were things to like
0: no i I enjoyed it when I watched it. I enjoy things that I think about and watch i I meant to rewatch it actually because I wanted to try to solidify my position because I did find myself getting so weirdly grumpy about it in the last week since I watched it, and I don't know why because I didn't dislike it. I was lucky enough to see it with Jan. I wish I
1: could have seen it with Charlie and Rosie. Oh yeah, that would have been fun that would have that would have made it yeah.
0: and I would have brought snacks, yeah. Well, maybe it'll be out on Blu-ray by Scary Movie Night this year, and maybe we'll actually have a scary movie night this year.
1: I I don't wanna I I think we'll be able to, don't you? It's
0: I hope October. so. Yeah. I, I hope so.
1: We're all very we're all very close to being vaccinated.
0: Yeah. We'll see. I don't know.
1: Anything else about this movie you want to say? You gotta get a big exhaust fan for the basement because okay. apparently air replacement is huge. I'm sorry. Uh, what did you say? Is there anything else about the movie you want to say, or should we wrap up? I I think we should wrap up, given that Godzilla's tail is now wrapped around my neck. Oh dear. <laughs> right.
0: Well then. Uh, thanks. Thanks for talking about this movie with me. Thank you guys for listening. As always, go to fthismovie.com. Follow us on Twitter at fthismovie on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube. Email us at fthismoviepodcast at gmail.com and listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're a fan of the show, please rate and review us. It helps us out a whole bunch. If you're not a fan of the show, that's okay. Uh, you can find other shows to rate and review and maybe keep those opinions to yourself. Thanks again, JB. Kaiju. Gesundheit.
1: Thanks for listening to FS Movie.